You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Thank you for joining us for episode three of the Neutral Zone. I'm Phil Milani alongside Eric Dalala. We have a great episode in store for you. Yeah, we've got uh, Zach Kerr talking with Phil. I think there's going to be uh, some fun stuff in there. And then I uh, caught up with Ryan O'Halloran, the Denver Post. Um, not as many impressions in uh, yeah. that interview that Let's I did. Let's just say uh, we got Zach Kerr to do a little Rick Ross impression. Be sure to stick around for that. That's a spoiler alert. But, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we're we inside the Pat Bullen Fieldhouse here, Phil, because it's a little blustery outside. Um, yeah. Ooh, Ooh, you, you can, can hear some thunder right there. I don't know. <laughs> we better finish it. this up before it uh, gets <laughs> dangerous. But before we get to those interviews, Phil, what, uh, what's been on your mind this week? What's been the, the sticking point after a few days of practice here ahead of the game against the Redskins? Well, I think there's been a lot of talk about Case Keenum's footwork. Uh, we heard that from Bill Musgrave today. We heard it uh, the other day from Case Keenum saying quarterbacking starts with your footwork. And, you know, we saw the first-team offense move the ball a lot more efficiently against the Bears. That was a positive sign for the Broncos. But we also saw Keenum misfire a few wide-open throws sailing them just a little bit he said hey I just gotta work on my footwork a little bit maybe some nerves there yeah and here's the thing with that is that they weren't off by all that much those are throws that he's normally gonna make they weren't I would disagree I don't think they were terrible throws but you know if he can make those throws that takes the Broncos offense from being good to being really unstoppable if he can fit those throws into Emmanuel Sanders and I think the encouraging thing if you're a Broncos fan is it's not that hard to fix that. He recognizes, hey, it's my feet. Just got to settle them down. That's why they're sailing. We didn't see it a lot last year. We haven't seen it in training camp. So I'm not too concerned. I think it's better than if you're seeing he's making the wrong reads or he can't process the offense or something like that. That's a that's a problem that's a lot harder to fix. Sorry, I didn't mean to mean that they were terrible throws. Gosh, just a tough sa- critic. Sailed them a little bit because it was, I guess one of the surprising things is because Keenum is very accurate out in practice. We've seen them, all the quarterbacks go through this drill where they're trying to hit a target on a net, and uh, Mike Sullivan, the quarterback's coach, tells them at the last second which target they want to hit and Keenum is by far the most accurate quarterback through that drill almost all the time yeah he's really good at that and I think the one thing that we need to remember as much as fans need to remember is that the last time there was a really great quarterback here was was Peyton and I think that because they've made an upgrade at the quarterback position everyone's like well he should make those same exact throws and Case might not be at that Peyton level and it might take him some time to kind of get into the rhythm this was only his really the first time he played extensively with this offense in a game situation so I expect him to get better we should see that see that this week um, so I'm, I'm not too discouraged yeah I thought everything was uh, very encouraging from the first team offense's point of view against the Bears but hey enough of us talking here let's uh, get to my interview with Zach Kerr here on the Broncos practice field with Zach Kerr. Zach, heading back to the D.C. area. That's yep. where you grew up. Yep. Uh, what's it going to be like this week for you? Uh, I think it's going to be fun, man. You know, obviously, uh, we're going there. It's a business trip. We're going there to handle business and get a W. Uh, but it's always fun playing football, you know, being around your teammates and going back home, especially doing it in your hometown. Uh, so I'm excited about it. I'm going to see some family members, but obviously I'm more focused on getting the win. Uh, what was it like growing up in the D.C. area? I know a lot of people yeah. know your story. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was actually it was fun, man. Um, you know, I, 
I look at, you know, where I came from and the things I've been through in the area. And, uh, you know, I look at it as motivation whenever I get a chance to go back there and play against the Redskins. You know, I grew up watching the Redskins all the time. Every Sunday they were always on TV. All my family, you know, pretty much a Redskins fan. So, uh, you know, it's always emotional whenever I get to play the Redskins, especially when I get to go back home. You like playing in front of family like that? Uh, actually, no. I'd rather <laughs> them watch from home. Uh, but, you know, since, you know, I, I can't I, – it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You only get to play in the NFL once. So, obviously, I want them to experience that as well. Uh, training camp over now how was all that for you uh it, it's it's going good i mean you know the practice is a little bit lighter a little bit less reps uh so you know you really got to really uh, work on your conditioning during practice and uh, make sure you run into the ball and you know stay in shape and things of that sort uh, earlier in the offseason program you mentioned that this was the best defensive line that mm -hmm. you've ever played with yep. now the camp's over you still agree with yes, that yes i definitely agree with that i mean just from top to bottom um it's it's a veteran group we have a lot of guys that enter that are five years and up oh you know uh, as far as NFL experience and stuff like that. So you, you get to learn a lot. You see a lot of different uh, players. You see a lot of different techniques, and you get to kind of take from a lot of different guys. And um, I think that's the thing I enjoy about it most. And there's a lot of personality in that room as well. So it's real fun. You've been in this league for a while now. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> How do you continue to work on your game? Uh, you just watch a lot of film, watch a lot of players, watch yourself, take coaching well. Uh, you know, we got one of the, if not the best defensive line coach in the nation. He's been that way for years now. And, uh, he, you know, he's a, he's a hard-nosed guy, but he just wants you to be the best you could be. And I think, you, you know, when you mix that, all that together in one room with the guys and the veterans that we got, you get a good result. You mentioned Bill Kolar, the defensive yes. line coach. Yes. What's a, what's he like in that room? Uh, intense. <laughs> um, you know, he, he he likes to joke. He likes to laugh. But when it's time to work, it's time to work. And I think it's a good balance with him. Um, and and I enjoy it. I do I do enjoy coming here and listening to Bill coach us up. And uh, he love he loves to polish your game. It comes from a place of love, right? Exactly. Yeah. And and once you once you really get through get that through your head, it's, it's a lot easier to, to go through practice and play football. You're a father now. I am. How has that changed your perspective? I love it, man. It's, it's, it's the, I tell everybody, I say it's the greatest thing that happened, that, that's happened to me this far in my life. Um, uh, he's one years old now. He's doing new things every day. Uh, it, it, it gives me a purpose. Uh, you know, I'm not just doing it for myself anymore. Even though, you know, you got your, your immediate family, but when you got somebody that you're responsible for for pretty much the rest of their life, it gives you a lot. It gives you a lot to really believe in. So uh, I love my son Enzo, and man, he's, he's definitely been the uh, apple of my eye. You think about him when you're out here? I think about him all the time. Really? <laughs> I'm thinking about him right now. <laughs> uh, when you get done with a day's work here, uh, what's it like? You head home and do what? Uh, I actually go home. I probably watch practice a couple times. Uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, I, I get to see my reps against Matt Paradis and Max Garcia. <laughs> I hopefully I get to see my reps against the, you know going against the offense, and then after that I'm just I'm in super dad mode. <laughs> what does that mean? You're like rolling around on the ground. Rolling around on the ground. I'm, I'm making noises. I'm in his face. I'm. Uh, Trying to get him and my dog to stop doing weird things with each other, and uh, you know, trying to get my trying to keep Enzo from eating the dog food. For some reason, he's really, really, really keen to the dog food lately. <laughs> I think a lot of guys can relate to you. Yeah. There. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you're on the car or something, you might think I'm with Rick Ross. Oh yeah, hey look, so this is Rick Ross, the boss, the biggest boss, Dade County. Huh. <laughs> can, can I get an every day I'm hustling? Every day I'm hustling. Every day. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Zach. This is amazing. Uh, teammates giving you a hard time. Well, yeah, thanks man, for uh, thank coming you. on the podcast and uh, enjoy playing thanks back in front me. of the fam and everything. Thank you. I appreciate you. Our thanks to Zach Kerr for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. And now, Eric, uh, time to get to our first game. Yeah, Phil, another edition of the Limerick Challenge Another fan has called in to join us. Who do we have on the line this week? Uh, my name's Hannah. I live in Lakewood, and I'm a 
diehard Broncos fan. Bleed orange and blue. Awesome. Well, we're happy to have you, Hannah. And uh, the way this is going to work is I'm going to read you three limericks. If you can fill in the last missing word on two of those three, you're going to win a prize. We'll send that out to you. Um, got some pretty cool stuff to send out. So if you're ready, we'll go ahead and get started. Sounds good. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> okay, your first limerick. These two sons were raised by the same mother, but the Broncos will often play against the other. On Friday, they'll see Jay, and then they'll fly away until September when they play against his brother. There you go. Exactly. Uh, John Gruden, now the coach of the Oakland Raiders, returning to the NFL. The Broncos will see him twice this year at least. And uh, that first matchup will be in week two of the regular season when the Broncos welcome the Raiders to Broncos Stadium at Mile High. Let's move on to Limerick number two. The cornerback was afraid he would cut in, that the wide receiver would stop on a button. But he ran a deep route and the corner had no out. He was forced to interfere with. Any... Um, can you read it again? Yeah. The cornerback was afraid he would cut in, that the wide receiver would stop on a button, but he ran a deep route and the corner had no out. He was forced to interfere with. I'm totally not getting this. I'll give you a hint. It was a uh, big play last week against the Chicago Bears, Case Keenum threw a deep ball to uh, one of the wide receivers, and he was dragged down for a 45-yard. Oh, Sutton. There you go. All right, so let's see if uh, you can get this last one and become a winner here. His time in Washington has so far been brief, but the Redskins can breathe a sigh of relief. Kirk Cousins may have left, but their new guy's quite deft. Via trade, they brought in a former... Chief. There you go. Yep, Alex Smith... Now the starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins. Broncos fans are quite familiar with him after his years in Kansas City, and they'll see him again this Friday during their dress rehearsal game. Hannah, congratulations. You're a winner. <laughs> that, that middle one was hard, but the first, the first and the last one were really good. Quite clever. We, um, we're glad you are able to join us. Uh, we'll send something off to you. Thanks so much for playing. Cool. Thank you. And now we'll get to part one of my conversation with the Denver Post, Ryan O'Halloran, where he talked a bit about owner Pat Bowen's chances for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Back here on the Neutral Zone with the Denver Post's Ryan O'Halloran. Ryan, thanks for joining us today. Sure thing. Ryan, I want to get your thoughts on the game this week against Washington, but first, I know in last Sunday's Denver Post, you had an article about owner Pat Bowen, his Hall of Fame candidacy. Could you kind of maybe take me through the reporting for that story? Yeah, it was great uh, because being new to the area, new to the Broncos beat, uh, you know, I had a elementary knowledge of Pat Boland, you know, Super Bowl champion. This one's for John. This one's for Pat, that kind of thing. But, you know, I talked to Joe Ellis, John Elway, Gary Kubiak, Jim Sakamoto, all guys who were here in 1984 when Pat bought the team. And, you know, as I started reporting on that, they're telling great stories about what it was like up at uh, 57th Street north of downtown. And so I sort of went that way. And, you know, the common theme amongst those four guys or five guys, including uh, some others, was it wasn't about Pat Bowen. It was about, okay, how can I hire the right people and then put them in the best possible position to win? And, you know, just another interview today with Rod Smith, you know, Rod says, it wasn't about Pat. It was about Pat's vision and 
making sure that was that came to fruition. So that was my major takeaway is, you know, yes, he has an ego, like every owner. You don't get to this point without striving to be the best, but also, you know, that sign outside that locker room, you want to be number one in everything. That's definitely true. You've covered a few different organizations, and I know Mr. Bowen's obviously not around day-to-day here anymore, but do you feel a difference around Denver because of what he tried to implement in 84? And- yeah, and yeah, I covered Dan Snyder for eight years. He was a guy that wasn't around a lot, but his presence in the community was there, and not for the best reasons. He was learning how to be an owner. Shad Khan in Jacksonville, I covered him for six years. Shad had just bought the team. He wasn't around a lot. He would come to every game. So, But you could tell his presence because Shad became the face of the franchise. He felt he needed to do that when he first arrived. So it's a, you know, sort of ran, run the spectrum a little bit. But what was interesting about Pat Bolin was that he was here so much. He was here every day. He'd park his car. First stop was the trainer's room. Talk to Greek and say, hey, how are we doing today? And, you know, and be involved with other things. But like Joe Ellis said, you know, if he was presented an idea, he wanted you to execute that idea. But to quote Joe, he damn well wanted to be informed about it. So I, I kind of like, you can see why his management style was so popular amongst his employees. As you were talking to those guys, Joe, Elway, Kubiak, Greek, did you get a sense of what it would mean to them if he is nominated by the contributors committee this week as a finalist? Yeah, and it's a tough question to answer because of Pat's health. I mean, Normally you'd ask, what do you think is going to mean to Pat? How is he going to react? You don't know that. Um, but as these guys said, it's going to be great for the Bronco organization, but also the whole region, you know, multiple states. And that's the kind of impact the Broncos have had. So I think it's, you know, it would probably be overdue, but it'll be gratifying for all those guys to see Pat recognized with the ultimate honor if he gets nominated and then gets voted in in February. And, uh, Obviously not a rubber stamp by any means. We've seen a guy not get inducted after being a finalist from the contributors committee. But as you know, it's kind of the next step and in all likelihood means induction in 2019. Yeah, and it's it's about as close to a rubber stamp as you can get. Since this is the fifth year of the contributor category, all but one has been voted into Canton once he, they've made this stage. And that's what it's here for. It's for an Eddie DeBartolo. It's for a Bill Polian, a Ron Wolf, guys who weren't players or coaches but made such a big impact. And as John Elway told me, you know, you define contributor in this league, you get Pat. For you, is this about as good of a way as any to kind of fully immerse yourself in the Denver uh, beat? Yeah, it, it has been. And, you know, I, I've had probably a dozen people say, you would have you loved him seeing him around because he liked talking ball. And, you know, and I, I felt I had a great relationship with Shad Khan for that very reason. We're the main paper in town, big media outlet, and I, you, know, you go through the Denver Post, you go through the Florida Times Union to sort of get some initiatives going. So it's unfortunate, but um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the next couple of years. That was part one of my conversation with the Denver Post's Ryan O'Halloran. Really interesting, Phil, to hear about some of his conversations with people inside the Broncos building about owner Pat Bolin. Uh, we'll get to more in just a little bit, but time for another game. Yeah, Eric, uh, let's play Who Said It? Now, uh, that's the game where I read a quote, and then uh, our guest has to uh, tell me who said it. So uh, we have another fan on the line. Uh, could you tell me who's calling and where are you calling from? Uh, this is Josh Van Dyken. I'm calling from Nooksack, Washington. 
Wow, all the way from Washington. Uh, that's Seahawks territory. How'd you become a Broncos fan? Uh, when I was about five, uh, my brothers told me I had to pick a favorite team, and orange was my favorite color. So I picked the Broncos, and I'm stuck with them since. Well, uh, thank you for joining us uh, here on the Neutral Zone, and we'll get started with our first quote. It's really gray right now. I think they're calling it conservatively because they want to get it right, I think. They want to change the behavior. The problem I'm having with the call right now is that it's been bang-bang plays. It's hard to tell if the head is hitting the body. That's the rule, right? Um, that is Coach Vance Joseph. Yeah, that's uh, Vance Joseph talking about the new uh, helmet uh, rules in the NFL. Can't lead with your helmet, of course. That's been a big topic of uh, conversation the past few days as there have been a lot of penalty calls through the first couple of weeks of the preseason. Okay, so uh, you got the first one right. You have to get two out of three to win our prize. So uh, here is the second quote. It is just who I am. I run hard. I can run outside the tackles. I can run inside. I can play slot receiver. I want to make it clear that I can showcase all of my abilities. Um, That's got to be Philip Lindsay. Yeah, nice. That is Philip Lindsay. Uh, he said that after the game the other day. He had a nice play on special teams. And, of course, Philip Lindsay joined us last week on the neutral zone. So uh, you are already a winner here on the podcast. But let's uh, do the last uh, quote anyway. This one is a, a, a quote about Von Miller. But who said this? People in the game are looking at him. I feel like it puts pressure on me a little bit more. They want to run at me, see what I can do, see if I can prove myself. I feel like having him on the other side is fun and definitely a test for me as well. Um, other side of the defensive line, which has got to be the rookie Bradley Chubb. Yeah, that's Bradley Chubb. Uh, of course, he had the big safety uh, against the Bears last week, made a big play in the end zone. So, uh, Josh, you got all three right. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on the Neutral Zone, and uh, you're a big winner today. So uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. And uh, now let's go to part two of Eric's conversation with Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post. They get into what they want to see this week against the Redskins. Their first road game, they struggled in road games last year. How much can you take from this half of football in terms of saying, hey, have they figured out how to fix what went wrong on the road last year? Not so much the road part. What you want to see is, okay, can they build on what they did against the Bears? Because the Vikings, they're terrible. Uh, they didn't look ready to play. They answered the bell a little bit better against the Bears. What you want to see if you're a Bronco fan is, okay, can Case Keenan be a little more accurate, let some ball sail on him? Demarius Thomas, does he get out there just for a couple of snaps on defense? Isaac Adams is going to be picked on. He may be your third corner in week one. So can he learn from those those last two games and, and take another step forward? And so I think that's the overall goal for the Broncos, if you look at it from a coaching staff, is don't take a step back. Taking a step forward is not going to mean you're going to win in week one, but it sure as heck means you got some confidence going into September. I know you go back and watch the film from the preseason game, see your tweets afterwards of certain plays. Did anything stand out to you that you'd like to see continue in week three? Two things, one offense, one defense. On defense, I think this defensive line has a chance to be very good. They're deep. 
Uh, they can rotate guys in and out to keep them fresh. You saw Derek Wolf probably look like the guy pre-neck neck injury in terms of playing the run, just tossed aside a guy. On offense, I still think there's there's a chance this passing game can be dynamic from the hop and because you have so many guys. Jake Butt hasn't really gotten involved yet, but Jeff Hireman in this passing game, coming back from that knee injury, that was one of the biggest takeaways on offense as a positive, catching it, but also doing a lot of damage after the catch. Did he surprise you, Hireman, with what he was able to do since he hasn't been out here yeah, at camp all that much? I mean, he would had less than a week of practice. You know, his first practice, he dominated. You know, okay, he's fresh, blah, blah, blah. But it sort of carried out to the game. And, you know, if you're Bill Musgrave, going into this game, at least I would have been thinking, okay, maybe you are in 11 personnel base offense with three receivers. Let's see what he does this week. If I were him, I would show more two tight end to make Seattle say, okay, do we stay in a, you know, a nickel? Do we play base? I like Jeff Hireman and Jake Butt against linebackers all day long. So I think what, what the Broncos are trying to develop on offense is they're going to try and stress defenses with the personnel they're going to play. How much do you think teams use this third preseason game as kind of a, a mind game for their week one opponents? Say, hey, they might do this, they might do that. We've got to be ready for a multitude of different personnel groups. Well, I covered Al Saunders at Washington. His first year as a coordinator was 06. He showed nothing during the preseason. He came out first time, first play of uh, week one and had like five receivers and all sh you know, pre-shift shift motions and stuff. It looks like Bill Musgrave, he ran a lot of personnel packages with Case Keenum in the game. So I think Bill is of the mind of, hey, we got to be ready to run our stuff in week one by running into the game. I'm sure they're saving some stuff, both offense and defense. But, you know, I think a big part of this third game for the, for the starters is just get your wind a little bit. Make sure you're in condition to play 75 snaps two weeks from now. What maybe is the thing that you think, at least right now, that is – the Broncos can hang their hat on, and then what's one thing that you think, hey, this could maybe be an issue? Yeah, uh, on the positive side, I think they have a dynamic pass rush. You know, you'll, you'll see it get going during the regular season when Vaughn and, and Chubb and Shane Ray, Shaq Barrett, Demarcus Walker. That is a pretty formidable front. On the other on the other side, I think they got some depth issues. They have a bunch of offensive tackles right now as backups. Can one or two of them play guard? Can Max Garcia just give them enough at right guard to be uh, a part of this roster? I think you got to keep them. The other part is on defense that I'd be concerned about is depth at corner. Um, if Chris Harris goes down, even if it's with the tweaked ankle, even if he loses his shoe, that the opponent's going to go after this Bronco secondary. So, you know, one thing to keep in mind if you're a Bronco fan is they're going to be fifth in that waiver pecking order for the first couple weeks of the season. There's going to be some decent players out there. Do they add a guard? Do they add a backup quarterback? I think they should look at adding a corner. So you're of the mindset that they might set that 53-man roster after the fourth preseason game, but they might not be done before week one. Yeah, I would be very surprised if if they set it at uh, September 1st at 53, and 48 hours later there's not two or three changes. Maybe uh, the biggest question, like you just said, is at the backup quarterback position, whether or not Chad Kelly can hold that role down Vance has said repeatedly this week. For right now, that's that's the plan. What do you need to see from him against Washington when he should get a fair amount of playing time after Case goes out to make you think he's okay to be a snap away? Take advantage of the fact that you're facing the Redskins backups too. Um, you know, he showed that he can move the ball against third teamers. Now let's see it do it again against second teamers and, you know, no turnovers, try and extend the play, do what he does best. When the play breaks down, make something happen. And this backup quarterback thing has been talked about way too much. <laughs> Where are we? That's right. We're in Denver. Um, 
I think it's better than 50-50 Chad Kelly's their number two in week one because if you're John Elway, I don't think you want to trade for a guy who ideally won't play, cost you a pick, but also uh, there may not be a lot of free agents out there on the market who say, hey, I'll sign with Denver, but I'm not, I have no chance to start. So I think just the uh, circumstances may have Chad Kelly being the number two. What would make this week a success for the Broncos? And maybe we'll, we'll wrap up there, but if X happens, Broncos fans should turn off the TV or should leave uh, FedEx Field feeling pretty good about where their team stands. A couple of things. The obvious one is no injuries. Okay, on offense, you want to see some good work on third down and some chunk plays. Cortland Sutton had that touchdown, but hasn't gotten involved. Same with Deshaun Hamilton. I want to see the young guys catch a ball or two to sort of to get them going. On defense, they've had a couple busts that, were, that resulted in big plays and a couple penalties that have resulted in big plays. So from a defense thing, it's just sort of play a cleaner game with offenses, maybe getting some of the young guys involved. Yeah, I mean, so far they have been pretty lucky with injuries, it seems. If, Where's the wood? Knock on I know. If they're able to, to keep that going into week one, I think they'd be pretty happy. Ryan, thanks for uh, spending some time talking about the team. Sure thing. Anytime. Phil, that was uh, part two of my conversation with Ryan. Some really interesting stuff there um, about what the Broncos could see this week in Washington and some uh, tidbits about the Broncos' backup quarterback position. Ryan thinks we need to all settle down a little bit about that. People will not settle down if uh, things don't go smoothly this week. But I guess my question for you is, aside from the backup quarterback position, what do the Broncos need to do to be ready for Seattle? What needs to happen this week for you to say, hey, they're good to go September 9th? Well, I think just continue what they we, what we saw against the Bears, expecting the starters. Really, this is the last time we'll see them before they play in that Seattle game. Expected to play the entire first half, maybe a touch into the third. CK settle down. We talked about it at the very beginning. Just, you know, focus on his footwork. But uh, you know, I really think that uh, the team's probably pretty close to uh, getting ready for that Seattle game. Maybe on the defensive side of the ball, there were some miscommunications in the secondary. Hopefully get those things sort of squared away and uh, make sure that they're ready to cover the tight end position. That's an area that they're going to see all throughout the season, especially in the AFC West. So uh, maybe shore up just a little bit of things on both sides of the ball, and then let's get this thing rolling. Yeah, you know, I think it's uh – it's a preseason game, so it might sound a little bit silly, but I am pretty set that they need to be winning this game when the starters uh, really? get to halftime. Be- just because I think Washington's a team that if you want to make the playoffs this year, it's a team you need to, to get a win against, be competitive against um, that caliber of team. And so I want to see them be able to manage Alex Smith. Um, kind of, You don't need to stop him from throwing a touchdown pass, but make sure that he's not lighting you up. On offense, you need to score points. And if they had a... Say they were up 14-7 at halftime or 17-10 or something like that. I'd feel good about where this team is because then you can extrapolate to a whole game. But after a quarter against the Bears, they were winning. I want to see that continue on the road after some of the struggles they had last year. And then I think you'd, uh, you'd probably feel pretty good heading into a home game against Seattle in week one. Yeah, but you don't care about the final score, though. Oh, right? no, no, no. Halftime yeah. score. Yeah. Halftime score. People upset about uh, the Broncos losing to the Bears there. Maybe you don't want to see that late fumble, but the final score really doesn't matter. No, I mean, you want to see the backups play well, and that's important. Maybe down the road for some of those guys who are going to get playing time. But it doesn't impact the way this team's going to probably play week one, week two, early in the season. But 
I do think it's important that at halftime, if the Broncos are leading, you probably have a pretty good idea about what type of team they can be on the road this year. If they're down 10 nothing, if they're down 17 nothing, then there might be a little cause for concern. Yeah, and those are some of the communication things, you know. Hey, on offense, make sure we're on the same page about everything. When it's loud in the stadium, on defense, the same sort of thing. So uh, we'll see the Broncos head off onto their first road trip, heading to uh, the Washington area on uh, Thursday before playing their first uh, game on Friday. And, uh, Eric, that means uh, we're one day closer now to Mr. B News. Yeah, exactly. And I think if we're talking about what we want to see Friday, you also want to be uh, hearing from Joe Ellis at FedEx Field about owner Pat Bowen being nominated uh, as a finalist for the Hall of Fame. That and a, a good first half would, would be great. Obviously, the Mr. Bowen News is a lot more important in the in the long run. But you know, we've all got our fingers crossed here and probably some people with their toes as well. Um, I've got a good feeling about it. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I definitely think so. Uh, it's about time. I mean, the stats go on and on about Mr. B and all the, you know, tremendous work that he's done on all the committees and uh, not only at the league level with all the TV stuff, but also locally making the Denver Broncos one of the marquee franchises in the NFL and all throughout the Rocky Mountain region. I mean, it really is the entire area that the Broncos take up everybody's Broncos fan and that speaks to Mr. B. Our media guide says that the Broncos are the state religion of Colorado and I don't think that that's uh, far off as much as I know you love your nuggets. I do love the nuggets but uh, I you know Mr. B when it comes to uh, sports in the Rocky Mountain region he's set the example for every other owner in this area. Hopefully we've got some uh, good news to celebrate next time we uh, jump back on the neutral zone. Yeah, well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. That's the Broncos Audio Zone. That's where you can find a all-new episode of the Neutral Zone each and every week. And make sure to uh, follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Eric Delala, at Phil Milani. And uh, that's how you can be a guest on the show next week. I know you want to play one of those Limerick challenges. Win some prizes, maybe. <laughs> exactly. we got exactly. to make it a little tougher, I think. People are winning too yeah, much. Yeah, I know. All the fan- everybody's getting, everybody's getting uh, three out of three. We're going to spice it up. Spice it up for next week. Uh, until then, for Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani, and this has been The Neutral Zone. <laughs>